Welcome back, everyone, to the Bronx Bomber Babble Podcast, where today, Andrew, G, and I are having a little depression triangle because it's official. Baseball is going to be canceled in the beginning of the season because the players union and the league could not come to an agreement over the CBA. And even though I think we all saw this coming, it's still a punch to the gut. So guys, how are we doing? Come on, man. I do want to know because you forgot it already. And, and we're just going to keep this going live. Okay, cool. cool, 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 cool. It's the 109th episode of the Bronx Bomber Babble podcast. Oh, okay. Yep. And of course, as always, we're, we're very happy to be uh, presented by six pack coverage. Got that out of the way. Got our little plug. Yeah. Um, we're sad. Today sucks. Today's a really bad day in yeah. the history uh, of the sport of baseball and, and just for any fan who is remotely excited about getting that back in our lives in, in 30 days, that's completely washed away and everything's bad and awful. And I'll pass it over to G. Right. If you were at all excited about getting baseball back in your lives, well, a joke's on you because you don't have that. So um, yeah, yeah today I, sucks. And I'm glad I was disgustingly busy at work today. So I couldn't, just be on Twitter all day watching the stupidity unfold in real time. But we are sad, and today sucks. Yeah, I think um, overall, today sucks even more, just because we've had kind of the back and forth of, are they going to make a proposal? Are they not going to make a proposal? Luigi, cut this out. We've had the back and forth of, are they going to make a proposal? Are they not going to make a proposal for about you know two three months now and then all of a sudden yesterday which was supposed to be the deadline for whether or not spring training games or uh, not spring training games but regular season games would be canceled and then all of a sudden they were making a ton of progress and they made so much progress yesterday that mlb extended the deadline to today at five o'clock and then that gave us all hope you know it gave yeah, us that all was such a, that was such a tease. And, exactly. And I, don't know if, I don't know if things were, were farther along last night and they kind of thought they were approaching the finish line and then they went backwards overnight when everyone collected themselves, went to sleep, came back the next morning, or if they were truly never as close as we were led to believe last night because obviously we didn't get the resolution we were, were hoping for today. But mm. it was definitely depressing. All the other reports coming out that they were starting to make com- some concessions. They they had agreed to the the 12 team expanded playoff instead of 14. Uh, they had agreed to keep the CBT taxes, uh, the the penalties I should say, in place from from the previous CBA. And it seemed like there was some traction. And we knew the CBT figures were going to be a big sticking point. We knew the pre-R bonus pool was going to be a big sticking point. Spoiler alert: none of those things got resolved. But it did seem like there was a little bit of of movement going forward. And look, fool me once, fool me twice. I get fooled way too often than I'm way too, you know, way more than I'm proud of because I genuinely went to bed last night thinking like, holy shit, we got a shot at this. And here I, I am with egg all over my face. Night. I went to sleep last night thinking, okay, maybe I'll wake up tomorrow and there'll be good news. And throughout the day, we'll just get more and more information about, you know, this is what they've accomplished this is what they've agreed on and by five o'clock tomorrow we'll have a kind of you know a decent framework and we'll be like you know what this is good enough 
we're going to start the season, hammer out all the little details that, while spring training's happening, and we'll be good. And that didn't happen. Um, I did not believe that they were going to come to any agreement. And that's because, I mean, it's been said. We've said it. Everyone said it. The stupidity of this event, you know, not even from December 1st, just in general. Like, we all saw it. People said it a year ago. They're going to get locked out. Like, there's going to be a really bitter, awful dispute. Like, you know, it, baseball seems to be the only, you know, the people involved in this seem to be the only people who are surprised that this happened. And, but just in general, it's like the work that they were doing the last week, meeting every day, meeting for multiple hours, multiple sessions, you know, all the important people flew into town. What they were doing this week is what they should have been doing from December 2nd. And that was the part that really, really just, I think if you've been, if you're someone that's been following this throughout the entirety of the past three months or so, that's the part that really, really gets me is that. The lockout began and there was no urgency at all. It They just kind of had the mentality of, oh, yeah, we'll get to it later. Because I saw the, a thing on Twitter today it was the lockout started on December 2nd. The first proposal was 43 days later. Yeah, that's you guys couldn't out. come up. You guys couldn't come up with some type of anything or just have a conversation or anything in 43 days. Well, like, well, that's the thing. They, the they didn't leave the first time un, until January. So right off the bat, you, exactly. you wasted weeks. And then, yeah, is it good that they were able to hammer out 16 hours of negotiations with some breaks and concession time and then going back and forth again and representing some new ideas, deliberating, right? All that. They spent 16 hours doing that yesterday. And then while that's all yeah. well and good, it shouldn't have come to them having to cram it. It that should much. not have come. It's, it's like when you know you have like a big project in school and you wait two months and, and do it the night before like do you, can you get it done maybe yeah. but you hate yourself that night and if they made any effort over over the holidays or even even the beginning of december right because the lockout would affect the end of november mm-hmm. so they had weeks that there was no conversations being had at all so yeah i i, I appreciate that they really went ham the past two days but, but it, was a little it shouldn't have had to come to this in the first place yeah no and i'll say this segueing to a you know, the most important topic, in my opinion. Like, they spent the last however many days, however many hours, you know, exhaustive, lengthy sessions. This is like them completing all of the, you know, minimal, like, easy problems and then leaving the hardest one till the very end and being like, oh, shit, we don't have time to finish that one. It's like they talked for 16 hours. They talked about salaries. They talked about you know, bonus pool. They talked about all these things. They didn't even get anywhere remotely near resolving the most important issue, in my opinion, which was the CBT. You know what I kind of think of it as? It's almost like when you're in school and you get like a big test and you get like a big question in it that you have no idea. So you just kind of go around and answer all the things that you do know. And then at the end, you have to come back to it. And then you end up doing absolutely nothing or your answer is absolute garbage to it because you didn't have enough time to do it. You know, it's like I I do agree with you on that, G, because they kind of went around all the things, all these little minute details that were little changes. They're changes to the game, but they're not changes to the structure 
of you know the teams or the CBT, like you said, and it was also everything that came out yesterday and today about like different proposals and stuff was things that we really hadn't heard about. Like we didn't really know that the players were dead set on a 12 game playoff pool and the owners were dead set on 14. We didn't know that until yesterday, but we've known that the CBT and, you know, the, um, got this out. What, what's the other thing? The CBT and, the pool, um, the, yeah, 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 the pre-arb pool. But we've known that the CBT and, you know, the pre-arb pool have been huge, huge sticking points between these two sides ever since the, ever since, you know, last year, before last season even started, when we've been thinking, all right, well, maybe there's going to be a lockout at the end of this next season. So buckle up. Like, there's been problems that have been at the root of the league for years. I'm pretty sure that, Jeff Passan wrote like the literally the day after the last CBA was signed off on five years ago that there was going to be some form of bitter, awful mm-hmm. labor dispute at the end of it, and here we are. So it's been it's well, been well, a we, we talked about this, for years. Right? Well, yeah, and then that's the thing. Like when when Rob Manfred was was hired as the, the commissioner of Major League Baseball. That was one of his first projects, right? And instead of negotiating a new CBA, they just agreed to extend the, the old one an extra five years. So he kind of already had that in his back pocket. But like you said, that article from Passan, it, it was it was very clear even then that they didn't really actually get into any of the nitty gritty here. They avoided slinging all the mud just to kick the can down the road. And this was still looming. And here we are five years later and they did nothing to prepare for it. Uh, I, I shouldn't say they did nothing, but the fact that they didn't have enough meetings meant that each side's agenda couldn't get fleshed out. They couldn't actually exchange figures for, for weeks on end, right? And then that's why it became such such a rush. But ultimately, I don't know how much longer this is gonna, gonna take. Uh, I've seen people on Twitter already panic that the whole season's gonna be lost. I don't think that's gonna happen. I think at some point someone's gonna cave and they'll settle on, I think we said one or two podcasts ago about 120 games. I still think that's in play. Yeah. But that would require them getting things resolved in like maybe three or four more weeks and they can have a shortened spring training at the end of April and then be ready to go maybe like May 10th. But like as of right now, they've already washed out the first week of the season, the first two series. Uh, so that's completely done. So at most, we're going to have like a 156 game season if they agree tomorrow. I think the and, biggest yeah. problem with this right now and how the length of the season is going to be is the fact that they kind of, you know, today was a deadline. So now that nothing happened, it's just going to kind of be like, okay, what do we do now? Nobody knows how where to go from now because if they couldn't hammer something out by today at five o'clock, that was, you know, the benchmark of the negotiations. So I have a bad feeling that it's going to be a while because you know, there were the reports that everyone got on planes and went home today because they don't know what to do. They got to um, go back and plan. And Bob, we've seen how Bob good. Nightingale said that they were going to resume negotiations in New York. But uh, when that will be, I have no idea. Exactly. And, you know, we've seen just how bad they are at planning out negotiations. It took them 43 days since the beginning of the lockout to come up with a, a uh, proposal. So, I mean, I can't imagine it'll take another 43 days from now because then we're looking at you know the middle of april 
I mean, if they if they miss all of April, that's April's packed with games, right? That's like twenty yeah. plus games right off the bat that you're missing. Um, if you are not, you know, like the CBA, let's say whatever, it gets signed tomorrow, right? Well, then you're still missing whatever two to three weeks because even on your most ambitious timeline, it's three to four weeks minimum for spring training of mm-hmm. whatever form it goes in, and so you have to really move with some, you know, urgency, which obviously they did not do for the first 60, whatever, 40 to 50 days of this. Like, um, obviously now you're way up against it because any spring training, any beginning of the season is one great meeting and four weeks away. So like you're really up against it now, but if you miss all of April, then you're already down 30, almost 30 games. So mm-hmm. it's bad. Yeah. And that's the thing they really have not, budgeted for is the time that it's going to take for everyone to get ready you know this is not a this is not a thing they can hammer out and then be ready the next week well they'll have to they'll come to some agreement for that but i i think that's the the least of everyone's concerns they have a general idea how long spring training should be there won't be like an official pitchers and catchers report date yeah full camp show up on uh, they agree next week they'll show it'll it'll kind of be like how it was after uh because of um covid where just like right, everyone right, shows up way way down the road they miss more than well I, I know that but and i'm saying it's going to kind of be clo- more similar to that where everyone shows up and they kind of work out as a group and get ready as a whole instead of the classic spring training right, see the right. general idea of it i think the, the idea that was out there was that the players were much more amenable to making up games or doing some double headers in some capacity making up the games and the owners were just like no if you cancel them we're canceling them like you know it's not on the table which probably partially like a ploy it's honestly just probably a strong arm tactic but um i don't know i mean i think in general it's like the players got raked over the coals and you know they extended it right i think if the players cave now after you know, all these various things that the owners got on them the last time around. If the players cave now, they're never going to make up any ground. Like The thing this... is, though, the players have no leverage. And that's solely because it's a lockout. It's not like they're on strike and they're the ones that are refusing to, you know, play. It's the owners locked them out. So right. the, the, yeah, they the players have to, to negotiate that, their way back in. Yeah. Or the, 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 the season starts when the owners say the season starts at this point. Yeah, and, and look, we, we we talked about the missed games. Generally speaking, outside of opening day, of course, April's pretty light on attendance. So if they miss three weeks of yeah. games in April, that's it's probably not, not that big of it. It's probably not as much of a financial impact to the owners, missing out on the, the ticket revenue and the concessions and whatever else associated with those games. Certainly the players' salaries are going to be prorated this year, so they'll miss out on paying that as well. But I agree that it's more of the power is in the hands of the owners right now, simply because they are the ones who initiated the lockout, which we could talk to a blue in the face about like why that wasn't necessary in the first place. The, the bullshit excuse was, oh, we thought it would help spark negotiations. And then they didn't meet for six weeks. Like, yeah, come on. And, you know, Andrew, we've been very adamant this whole time that, you know, taking sides in this matter is pointless because both sides have blood on their hands, but that's one matter 
where it's 100% on the league and on the owners. Yeah, I, I think more than anything else, we're trying to just not be overly partial. Like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Of people you'll see online are even some people like like Jeff Passan, Andy McCullough in, in particular are like just slovenly in in the in the players' corner, right? And, and at a yeah. certain point, like I'm not saying I'm not by any means defending the the union. I'm not you know licking Rob Manfred's boots here, right? But I think you have to at least acknowledge that there is fault on both parties. Now, certainly, is there more on one than the other? Yeah. I agree. So, but I think that's part of what we were doing. We were trying to just play that the devil's advocate, not truly impartial, but at least cognizant of all the issues type deal. Mm-hmm. Well, and we, you and I were talking um, a couple of days ago and we were saying that, yes, there's obviously a lot of blood in the owners. They want to have control. They didn't work. They didn't do as much as they could to come up with the thing, but the players union went into this with a laundry list of stuff they wanted to have done. And they've, budged on none of it you know they have yeah, not, I'm not, sure, I'm not sure, tried to sure, i would say they didn't anything. make any concessions but i think when people are like well they, the owners aren't willing to spend there is a, a counter argument well the players didn't come down from their ask even a little bit right like they made yeah. maybe a little bit like i think you mentioned before like they kind of were fighting for that 12 team playoff i think if it was up to the players union they'd prefer to keep the 10 team that they have yeah. in place right now and knowing that the owners were wanting to expand to 14 which would add a full extra round of playoffs. Well, it was what we had in the COVID shortened season, right? That yeah. was 14 teams. Yeah. Right. So you have, I believe, so. way more matchups, yeah. and that obviously puts more ticket revenue. No, there were 16 more. teams. It was six. Okay. So, but it would be similar. So you just take yeah. out the bottom seed and the top seed gets a buy, and that's yeah. there. But it's the same format, right? We have the wild cards and the ALDSs and LDSs uh-huh. and the LCSs. Uh, but I, I, I certainly get the appeal of an expanded playoff system in that you have more TV revenue. More ticket revenue, um, you can increase the revenue sharing pool. Um, mm-hmm. More players who make the playoffs get a cut. More play, uh, and obviously, I don't know how it affects the champion, but yeah, there's there's certainly blood on on both sides' hands. But mm-hmm. like you're you're a fool if you don't think that the owners are are more at fault in this case. And, oh, and, yeah. and I'll, I'll I'll go on record and say that even though it seems like you you go through my Twitter feed, it may not seem that that's where I stand. <laughs> but I think I think. Everyone is in, in agreement with that, but you have to at least acknowledge that the players aren't innocent as well. Well, and I, I'll be <clears> one <throat> to defend your Twitter feed, too, and say that you're one where you've been looking at this entire thing and watching everyone on Twitter just blatantly be on the player's side and be so anti-league. And you're just trying to get your point across that it's not just the owner's fault, even though it, the majority is. But the league's not, you know, getting off scot-free here either. Or not the, not the league, the uh, the union's not, you know, completely in the clear here either because they also have a lot of – they've been so stubborn about everything that they have just kind of been so adamant about getting what they want. And obviously the, the owner's – I don't know where I'm going with this. Jesus I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I have an issue with the, I guess, the idea of impartiality in this case. Because it's like, hey, you know what? Yes, it's been very frustrating to watch, to listen to these two bash their heads against each other and not agree on anything. It's stupid, and it's bad, and it's annoying, and it's a bad fan experience among a laundry list of other things. Um, 
But I think just in terms of like these two sides are negotiating and in terms of the actual meat and potatoes, right? The owners don't want to spend money on things. I think that that's a pretty clear and obvious theme. They don't want to spend significantly more money. You know, there's a bunch of teams with payrolls that are $50 million or less. Like, what is that? Like, that's, you know, if you could guarantee me that those owners would spend money, then, hey, maybe I wouldn't be so mad if they didn't significantly change the CBT or whatever. That way you'd have more competitiveness or whatever. But I just think in terms of this, it's like, you know what? Both of these sides are very annoying to watch operate. But in my opinion, one of them is negotiating from, I guess, policy, quote unquote, policy positions that would be better for the game than the other one. Well, and here's the thing. Which I, think, too, I, think, we, I think we all agree in that, right? Like the players are, are definitely trying to improve the game. And and that's kind of why the, the fans pivot towards them more so, whereas the owners are trying to be stagnant and and not make any significant changes and kind of just keep the status quo. I, I think you're you're 100 justified in that. Uh, I think where me and Alex were, were a little more critical was more so just in their tactics to do that. They're so that they they were in the right in terms of policy uh, and and objective, but the way they went about it could have been better. I think. Yeah, that's exactly it. Right. So so let's just quickly get into the, the, the final numbers. As far as we actually know, I, I know Jeff has made the point of, of putting out the, the best and final offer. Um, God, the amount of times I say DAFO at work makes me want to blow my brains out. So I just had that again triggered me a little bit. Um, <laughs> so uh, from from the league office and, 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 the, and the owners, now there is a, a follow-up tweet that he said the MLPPA's previous offer, which I'm assuming was their DAFO as well. But uh, for, for Major League Baseball, it was no changes to the CBT thresholds from where they were at last night, which was $220 million in the first three years, increased to 224 in the fourth, 230 in the fifth. And then they bumped up their pre-arg pool to $30 million. Again, we don't know the specifics on how many players that covers, who funds it, how it's divvied up based on war, we're assuming, but we don't know for sure. Uh, and then they increased the league minimum up to $700,000 with $10,000 increases per year, which isn't quite keeping in line with, with future inflation. But if there is a pre art pool, at least the better players who are on that league minimum salary, like we used the example before we went live here of Jonathan India, who just won the National League Rookie of the Year last year, he would have made significantly more than, I think it was $575,000 was last year's league minimum. He'd probably get closer to two or three million because of where his war was, right? So so that that's the final offer. From from the league side, uh, from the Major League Baseball Players Association, they wanted much higher CBT thresholds, starting at 238, going all the way up to 263 million dollars, which I think we agree is reasonable number. And, and it, we're splitting here. We're talking about 30 million dollars. I guess that's that's still a lot of money, but I guess we're 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 kind of unsure why there wasn't more middle ground in there. Uh, they wanted a pre-arb pool way higher at 85 million dollars with five million dollar increase per year. With five million dollars, again, we talk about who funds that pool. Uh, and that's one thing I think we're still unsure of, because if the entire league funds it collectively, 30 teams increasing the pool by $5 million a year is nothing, literally nothing. That that seems like a reasonable request. But if only a certain number of teams, maybe non-playoff teams have to fund it because they have, you generally think, lower salaries than are paying their players and they, they're paying a penalty. Like, I don't know how this would work. Or if it's all the higher paying teams because they're spending more and they need to be taxed, right? Like We have no idea how that works, but it's $85 million with $5 million increases. They want a league minimum at $725,000 a year. 
with 20K increases, that's not much different than where the league came in. So I feel like that wasn't the big issue. Um, G mentioned it earlier. There's a lot of little puff pieces on the side that they probably came to agreement with, knowing that they weren't ever going to come to common ground with the CBT. And I think, honestly, like G said, and like you just said, all the little puff pieces, that's actually kind of some means of optimism, just because, you know, there's actually a lot of stuff that they've come to an agreement on. There's just, you know, obviously the big elephants in the room that they need to agree on that they're nowhere near. But as if they have, say, 75% of the stuff that they've needed to talk about and they've agreed on done, then that means that the negotiations will take less time. And hopefully they'll be, you know, ironed out maybe within the next week, two weeks or so. But yeah. And one of the one of the other things that has been kind of a problem here is that we really don't know specifics. So it's hard for us to kind of make educated guesses on what exactly the problem is here. Like you said, where would the pre-arb bonus pool be funded from we have no idea what the idea behind that was so yeah it's it's a lot of unknown stuff and even the stuff that's reported it's just reports you know there's nothing set in stone so for us to just kind of be looking at this and trying to make sense of it is a pain just because we don't know you know yeah there may be very intricate specifics on how they get to these figures, which makes the league stance potentially more understandable, right? Like yeah. if only a certain portion of teams are funding these and certain teams more so than others, then maybe there's some weird, there's some shady shit going in there. We're like, ah, maybe the owners actually are fighting for their own right here and the players are taking advantage of them. But if, or on the flip side, it could be something so blatant as every, each of the 30 teams funds that pool evenly. And then you look at the number that they finalized on at 30 million, the MLBPA wanted 85, a rough midpoint between that is about 60 million, which would be $2 million per team. Um, Every owner could pay $2 million out of their own back pocket, let alone out of their, 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 Mm -hmm. right. So like that, that shouldn't be an issue if that's the case, that's how it's fun. We don't know those rules though. So it makes it hard to actually analyze and critique the specific, the numbers we see that thrown out over Twitter but I don't know the specifics of how that all actually works. And this is where I think, I think it's good on the players to be on Twitter, to be, you know, you could say it's not campaigning, right? The public doesn't have a really a say in what, how this gets resolved. Um, But the players are on Twitter. They're explaining themselves. They're explaining their positions. This is what we want, and this is why we want it, right? The owners, you don't hear anything. So if there's a reason why they are so adamant about keeping the CBT at, uh, you know, what is it, $220 million for the next three years, mm. they haven't explained it. Rob Manfred, as the representative of the 30 owners, hasn't explained it, and no one has explained it. And, you know, c- consider it campaigning or whatever, you know, but, like, it, it kind of matters, right? If you had, you know, a large portion of the fan base, like this could really, really hurt baseball. And you could have a it lot of fans. Has. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it has, but you could have a lot of fans who are just going to be like, hey, like, this fucking is stupid. I'm, I'm just going to go watch something else and not come well, back. Well, that's for sure going to happen. We, and, you know, me and you well, have yeah, talked just personally on, on, on this, on a, on a separate note, like, look at National Hockey League, right? Uh, I think they really were hitting a true peak uh, right around the 2003-2004 era, right before their own lockout, 2005, right? Or um, it was either 2004-2005, I don't know, Penn, but like, um, it's gonna be hard for Major League Baseball to actually recover the fan base that, that the casual fans who were just like, "Oh, I want to see baseball. I want to see dingers." They're like, "Oh, fuck these guys," and they're just gonna bail on the sport, right? Like me personally, I'm pretty casual about the NBA, right? Like the NBA locked out. Um, I it would be really hard for me to get back into it because I, I I don't watch it a ton right now anyway, right? Uh, now imagine that that baseball fan where they do this shit a lot there's a lot of controversy with the players versus the league and it's going to dissolve a huge portion of the fan base for sure definitely there's an interesting parallel just for a minute here with the nba and mlb i'll take luigi's cross sport analogies thing (laughs) um when the nba locked out in 2011 and then they wound up signing their cba and all that type of stuff it was generally considered like not great for the players and but, you know, at that time, the union, you know, is like Derek Fisher, you know, respected but older player on his way out of the league, right? The union didn't have great leadership, but, you know, they lost that CBA, basically. They came back the next time. They had Michelle Roberts as their executive director. You know, in the next couple of cycles, they elected, you know, Chris Paul, LeBron James, like all the major key players in the in the league to be their leadership. And after the last MLB CBA, again, widely accepted. The players got their asses handed to them, and they have been getting their asses handed to them in these types of situations for years now. And after the last CBA, what do they do? Did they rearm? Did they do? It's like, yeah, they brought in Bruce Meyer, but like, whatever. Like, what have they done to position themselves better for this fight? I don't really think they've done anything meaningful. Look, I'm I'm actually sitting here reading um, as you're speaking the 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 Rob Manfred a letter to baseball fans thing, and it's just so frustrating. As we've talked, like Alex has specifically said earlier, that there's blood in both hands uh, for both parties. And I read the MLB Players Association statement right before we went live here. I'm reading this now. Just the level of gaslighting between these two sides that they're just trying to flame the other guy. They're not actually sticking up for themselves. They're just trying to tell you why they're right and the other guy is an asshole, right? Like, there, mm-hmm. there's no actual, like, there's no, I don't even know the word I'm looking for, right? They're, they're not trying to find, yeah, well, I, they're not trying to find common ground. They're not actually trying to work towards anything. And to be honest, I forget who it was one of maybe Lance McCullers' Twitter threads before he shut down his account this afternoon. Someone was like going out and like, bro, stop it. We don't, we don't want to hear this. Like you're doing the same shit that they're doing. Like you guys postured, they postured. Mm. Uh, you didn't want to actually make progress. You wanted to win. I think that's true for both sides. Both sides wanted to win the negotiations. And I said it on this podcast before too. Uh, you want to claim victory in this in this segment rather than just come to common ground that both parts. And I think it doesn't have to be common ground. It has to be some set of, of circumstances uh, of guidelines, I should say that both parties can stomach and deal with the next five years. Even if it's not the best for each side, just enough for people to just be, for it to be palatable, right? 
And I don't think they were working towards that. I think they wanted to just blatantly win. They wanted to be 100% their way or no way. Well, yeah, I mean, actually, I don't fully agree, but I do think, like I, I had said it in the pre-show, I think they, both sides were kind of like dragging their ass and like, you know, tiptoeing around. And, you know, it's good. You know, there's a lot of been a lot of stupid and frustrating discourse, but they did manage to get closer and solve some of like the small potatoes or get close on some of the small potatoes thing. But I feel like generally the process and the discourse was just stupid and they were kind of dragging their ass because they didn't want to or didn't think they were going to or whatever around the big issues. And they waited until the last minute. So just I don't know. It's just fucking stupid, man. This whole so entire process has just been really, really, really poorly done. Like I said it before in um, our main group chat we have with everyone in the blog. This whole process has been both sides walking in with a set of expectations that were nowhere near each other. They've refused to budge, and all they've done in the process is villainize each other. Yep. And so the second that happened, they were doomed to fail from the beginning. I, I could not. I'll give you this a little bit of comedy, I guess. Comedy slash sadness as we. I think, I, th- I think we need comedy, but not the sadness. Well, take it or leave it. Um, if you want timeline, comedy, sense of humor, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, when I logged on for just a moment earlier around the time that this was all starting to break today, and there's a tweet, two tweets adjacent to each other. One of them was Evan Drellich with the tweet, Rob Manfred just said he's canceling regular season games. And then the immediate tweet afterwards was Jeff Passan with a quote from Manfred saying, the concerns of our fans are at the very top of our consideration list. And I was just like, oh. That, that's like the first paragraph in this article that I'm reading right now, the statement. And that he talks about not wanting to upset the fan base and that they want to do right by the players and the fans. Meanwhile, you locked out the players immediately after the old CB expired. Meanwhile, without giving it any further chance, you've already taken a full week off the, the major league season. Now, he does say later in his letter, and I'll quote right here, it says, so what is next? The calendar dictates that we are not going to be able to play the first two series of regular season games, and those games are officially canceled. So that means they want to get and this is six games and then he says like we, we we are continuing or we are prepared to continue negotiations yeah that, that's lip service uh we have been informed that mlbpa is headed back to new york meaning that no agreement is impossible until at least thursday that's fine that, that's splitting hairs at this point currently camps could not meaningfully operate until at least march 8th which again makes sense you got to have players flying in from all different places uh leaving only 23 days before scheduled opening day so i get taking off six days right but ultimately, just the fact that he he tries to play like I'm working for the fans. Uh, no, you're not. You're just doing the, the owner's bidding. And then even the, even the players too. They 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 always claim that they're fighting for themselves. But as representatives of the sport, don't they still have somewhat of an obligation to the fan base as well? Like I get they're not just going to roll over and die and sign up for like a shit contract that operates their own employment for the next five years just to get baseball back and and keep fans happy. But I feel like they're not – their obligation to the fan base hasn't been under criticism either. Am I wrong on that? No, no, you're not wrong at all. 
I think a lot of the players that have actually been vocal on like Twitter and stuff are the ones that actually are kind of hurting the whole image of it. And I don't want to sound like ignorant or anything there, but just take a look at Jock Peterson. Okay, you sent the tweet, but you sent the tweet earlier today where when it was released that MLB wanted to do the 14 game thing, he tweeted something about like seven inning games, 162 games a year, every team makes the playoffs and gets a participation trophy. Which, while that's funny, it's kind of, it's just belittling the like contributions of the people that are actually working to get this done. Like, if you're just a player and you're just sitting back crapping all over every single offer, that's kind of the entire reason that they're in this mess. You know? Because while the owners and Manfred have really, really hurt their public image with everything, and Manfred's statement, like you just said, is not helping that out, the players are not doing anything to help themselves either. It's just in a different form of not helping themselves. Well, I don't understand this perspective just because it's like the owners are dug in right they're dug in they say oh we don't want you know there's probably a a very vocal you know small market group of owners who are saying oh we don't think it's good if you take the guardrails off not even just because of steve cohen is going to outspend everyone he's going to do that regardless but like the they you know they want cover right they they all want cover not to have to spend much more money or you know not to give a bonus pool or do an international draft any number of policy positions i just think that the public pressure would be like if you say the players aren't helping themselves or the players are like what is the players role in this the mlb owners lock them out and the players role would be to accept a lesser deal that the owners want them to accept just so we can start playing baseball again like if the players give up on this fight now they're never going to make up ground ever again so I just think right, which is why I, why I said like they shouldn't just roll over and, and die just to get baseball back going, right? But and at the same time, yeah, it, it's tough that that the, the the owners can can leverage that and just say, well, we're just gonna hold out until you guys finally fucking cave, right? <laughs> like, and well, that's, that's, that's their that fault too for taking right? advantage of that. They have the high ground and they're absolutely abusing it. <clears throat> And if they don't, you know, if the players, I think the general expectation would be, or I guess a lot of people would probably expect that the players eventually will just roll over if they do stay united, right? Like, what what did we hear so much of, right? All the lost revenue. We need to get fans back in the seats, right? COVID uh, shortened season and then COVID affected attendance and all that type of stuff, right? The owners are so concerned. Oh, we're not going to spend money this year because we're, you know, concerned about income, you know, all that type of bullshit. Like, well, there's no sense of urgency here because you, not needing to, just canceled the games. But, like, if the players, the players could flip the script and, and if they stay, if the, the big earners, the Max Scherzers, the $40 million earners, you know, are looking out for the, for the you know, Jonathan India's the $575,000 guys who aren't going to have income, then it could get interesting, right? As this drags on, it's going to be horrible for all of us, but I think just in terms of a 
you know, a one-on-one matchup, I think it could get very interesting in terms of negotiating tactics. And here's where I wonder if a federal mediator would have actually helped. I know it seemed like the league was just posturing when they when they suggested it and the players were like, well, we don't need that to negotiate. But like, I do wonder, part of me is curious what impact an impartial third party, and, and like you could bring up Major League Baseball's antitrust protection, like would that have actually skewed towards the owner's favor in negotiations? Maybe, I don't know. But I do wonder, a part of me thinks, how could that have expedited or changed the way that this this played out? I don't know if we'd have a resolution today, but we might be closer. I'm not sure. I feel like if there was a federal uh, mediator in here, I don't know what would have happened. But at the same time, I feel like one side would have been ripping about it. I feel like if the players got screwed because of it, there would have been so many players being vocal on Twitter and stuff. And it would have been, it would have looked so much worse for the league because there was nothing that the players could have done about it. You know, there, if you put something in someone's hands that, you know, a third party's hands, it takes away the power of just being able to, figure everything out and fix everything yourselves and just kind of fix your whole look. So yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm at the point where I'm just so like exhausted with this whole entire thing, because this is three months of just getting our hopes up and then immediately getting beat back down, you know? Well, look, maybe this will do us a favor, right? The Yankees still haven't done shit all off season, so oh, thanks. Maybe, just, maybe, maybe this will actually just be a blessing in disguise. We'll watch <laughs> that that garbage team that we cleaned over. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, this is we're still. Oh, hey, Andrew, let's go. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Like but... the, the MLB is like again one great meeting away. They come to some form of agreement. The owners agree to spend a little bit more. Maybe the players bring down their stuff a little bit. You know, they come to some good for baseball agreement. We're one great meeting away from the most ridiculous free agency period we will ever see. Mm. And baseball depriving themselves of that is just the height of idiocy. Well, and it makes I me think... laugh when Rob Manfred says all this shit about the fans. And oh, one it's a defensive one more. <clears throat> if, if the season gets washed out completely... You have all the players who were unsigned from last year, plus all the players whose whose contract would have expired this year. So, took a while for agency. Jesus, yeah, you're, re- you're re- really going to the future there. <laughs> yeah, that that you. So that Andrew, you're in mean your, that you have some faith in one upping G there is saying, hey, guess what? This might have we might have already seen Judge play his last game as a Yankee. Yeah, I thought about that for a second today, and I want I just felt so dead inside. <laughs> Right. Not only will the Yankees not sign other teams' free agents, maybe they, they won't, won't even sign, sign their, their own. own best free agents. <laughs> <laughs> it's starting to get a little dark here, y'all. I don't It'll, know. I don't like where this is going. We're looking forward to the 2023 <clears throat> season without Aaron Judge. Man, like, I can't even read this statement by Manfred with a straight face. It's just it's such a crock of bullshit. Like, I don't know. Like, what can you do? It's 
yeah, I don't know. It's 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 fucking stupid. Well, before you um, have a heart attack, I think we can call it and wrap it up now because. Is it crack? A little bit. Yep, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, at this point, I think we've said all we need to say about this because let's just let's face it, games are at least the first week of the season is going to be canceled, and we're depressed. So I think that's as much as we have set in stone right now. So for G, for Andrew, and for me, Alex. This has been the Bronx Bomber Babble podcast brought to you by Six Pack Coverage, and we will see you in the next one.